We are coming to the end of our series on faith, and it's been an amazing journey right the way back from the end of November last year and uh, right through Christmas. And it's been wonderful to see these, these different characters and trying to unpack what this faith looks like in real life. And uh, we are coming to an end of, it, of that series, but we are launching, we, that we're coming to an end of that, and then we're going higher, we're going stronger into the book of Acts. And so with faith, and so we're going to have the acts of faith and the faith that brings acts and all those sorts of things, plays and words. I'm sure uh, Jan and her team are going to have fun with all of those things. But um, so we are moving into that, not next weekend because Anton and Andrew are with us, but the following weekend we're launching into that. And we're really trusting God is going to move powerfully with us through the book of Acts. It's a, it's a book that is full of the rich history of the, of the church, how it was birthed, what it was put to work to do. And we can see we learn many, many things from the book of Acts. And so it's going to be a really exciting time. One thing that the book of Acts does, though, we see right in the beginning of the book of Acts, there's, there's the, the promise of Holy Spirit is released, the, prom, the, the promised gift, the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit released over the church, and it's birthed in power, and the people of God start operating and acting in faith. There's a boldness that comes upon the church and um, we're trusting that actually that's going to be the result as we get through the book of Acts. And we're going to see God moving powerfully and each of us stepping into the space that God's called us to very powerfully. So we're kind of coming to the end of this faith series. And what I did this morning is I had a look at Hebrews chapter 12, the first four or five verses. And uh, trying to, the Hebrews chapter 11 is the, is the, is the heroes of the faith. A little bit in Hebrews chapter 10, it tells you that this people group are under pressure. They are... They're having their homes confiscated. They, they, and the, and the, the word is don't shrink back, don't shrink back, trust God. And then he goes into faith and he explains what faith is. And that faith is that ingredient that makes us sure of what we hope for. It puts a certainty. It gives us the title deeds of what is hoped for. It gives us the guarantee of what's hopeful. And it also is a being certain of what is unseen. It's evidence of what is not seen. So this is what this, this ingredient called faith is. And um, when, we, when somebody has faith, they have uh, an assurance of what is hopeful. When somebody has faith, they start to operate with what is unseen, but in line with what God is saying. And so we kind of walk in this journey of faith, and we've unpacked how those people did that in their different arenas and in their different times and spaces. And then it gets to Hebrews chapter 12, and in Hebrews chapter 12, it's that's, it, he says, that he, he starts the, the, the chapter off with, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have this, this great army of witness around us, of testimony around us, that should be speaking courage into your life, and that what we should be looking at them and saying, if God did it for you, he can do it for me. And it's the same God that did it for you, it's the same God that will do it for us in our day. And uh, so it, it kind of unpacks that. And he says this, if you, if you want a walk of faith, if you want to walk of faith, you've got to draw courage from the testimonies around you, both those that are in the Scriptures, but those that are around us, in church, in, around us. And actually, can we draw courage and strength from those that we're in community with? And that's why it's so important to be in community. And then he goes on, he says, you must throw off everything that slows you down, and you must throw off anything that could trip you up. Anything that slows you down, anything that's not good for the season, you must throw it off. It's not the season for that. If you want a strong walk with faith, You've got to be ruthless with the things that are slowing you down. And you've got to be ruthless with the things that are going to tangle you up and trip you up. And he speaks about sin that needs to be dealt with. Um, he then also goes on to say that you must fix your eyes on Jesus. 
If we want a walk of faith that's sustaining, that's resilient, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, he, and I spoke about that this morning, and he then it goes on to say, you must consider him. You must consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so he's speaking into these people that are growing weary and losing heart, and he's saying, this is how you fix that. If you want to walk of faith, you've got to do these things. But then he comes to this, this verse in verse 4, um, and he says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your own blood, and you, have not, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And I want to talk tonight about the thing we always forget when we're under pressure in our faith. Because he says you must remember this. And this is the thing, I believe, that often we forget. I'm going to read the text and then I will go back to what this thing is that we forget. Because this is the thing that we forget when we're going through hard times and tough times. Please do understand, by the end of tonight, you'll realize that if you're a son or a daughter of God, you can expect tough times. If you have an assignment from God to do big things, you have, will have big opposition. We do not just, it's not just flesh and blood, it's powers and principalities. When God gives an ordinance or a decree to do something, you've got to know there's opposition from the enemy realm to stop that word from coming into fruition. And there'll be people that, 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 that the enemy will use to oppose that word. So we cannot be, we cannot be um, naive to think that actually we're not going to have opposition. Natural opposition, people opposition, supernatural opposition, all sorts of opposition will come when God speaks and his people begin to move. And this is what he says here. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, stroke daughters. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who have disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather be healed. He makes this statement. He, he quotes Proverbs chapter 3 there. And um, I want to get to Proverbs chapter 3. Let me just get to where I should be in my notes here. You see, and he says this, you've forgotten this one thing. You see, friends, when we go through hard times and tough times, we forget this one thing, that we're sons and daughters of God. We forget that we're sons and daughters of God. 
And what we do is we start to ask questions like, how can this be happening? Is God still sovereign? Is God still king? Does God still love me? Is God still for me? Is God punishing me? Those are the questions we have when we have tough times. And then what happens is we can easily go into a crisis of faith. And the thing that we've forgotten is that we're sons and daughters of God. And that is a very key thing because there's massive uh, privilege in being a son or daughter of God. And there's responsibility in, in being a son and daughter of God. And we see from this passage that part of being a son and daughter of God is being trained by God for our futures. Is being trained by the Father for our futures. So friends, although God is never the author of evil, God is never the author of evil. God will allow the evil that other people choose to somehow impact our lives for our good and for the betterment of his plan. God never author, is never the author of evil, but God can take whatever comes at us and turn it for good. And God allows everything that we go through, we're going to read a text about that tonight as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that everything that we face is Father filtered for our betterment and for our good and for our future. Everything we face. This is the thinking of a son or a daughter. This is the thinking of a son or daughter. We'll get to start to unpack that now. But look at, look at what, let's have a go, if you wouldn't mind turning to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, which is what he quotes there. I'm not going to read all of it. We'll just read a couple of lines of each of the stanzas there. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring prosperity to you. So it starts off with this, My son, my son, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget. Notice that, my son, do not forget. Verse 2, or verse 3, Let love and faithfulness, faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on a tablet of your heart. So you see, he's speaking wisdom to his son. He says, don't forget my teaching. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, that is spoken from a father to a son, teaching him or teaching her as a daughter to, to live life prosperously and to walk with him faithfully. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Let's have a look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. See, the wisdom of God comes to his sons and he says, do not be wise in your own lives. Don't get too clever. Don't think you're too clever. Be humble. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. The wisdom of God comes into his son and he says, you make sure that the way you handle money and the way you handle wealth, you always acknowledge God as the provider of that wealth and you give away the first fruits. When you do that, what you're saying, the wisdom of God is saying, God is first before anybody and what I have is because of him. You see, these are the, this, is the, this is the wisdom of God. This is a father teaching his son some, some basic things. And then in verse 11, it comes to the quote that he, that he quotes here. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father 
the son he delights in. Amazing, eh? So he says, don't despise the discipline of the Lord. I'm going to talk about that word discipline because when, when, when I say the word discipline to you, most of you think punishment because discipline has, got to, has come to equal punishment. But in the, in, the, in the Greek text, discipline does not equal punishment. It's the word padea, which means training. It's the training of the Lord. It's not the punishment of the Lord. It's the training. It's the growing up. It's the processes of God in our lives that allow us to grow into a harvest of righteousness and peace. So that's, that's just where that comes from in, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 3. And you can see what he's picking up on here. He's talking to his son. So let's have a look at what this text says to us. The first thing he says in verse 7 there, he says, endure hardship as discipline. So in our walk of faith, we have these moments of crises. We have these moments of difficulty. We have moments of questioning. And we think, God, how can you be in this? How can this be you? You see, what he says is, he says, stop asking all those questions. Sons and daughters ask, do this. They endure all hardship, hardship as training. They endure all hardship as training. Padir means training or education. So he's saying this, if you're a son, if you remember that you're a son of God, everything you experience is for your ultimate good. Everything you experience is for your training, it's for your education, so that you can be who I've called you to be, and you can fulfill the call that I've got on your life. Endure all hardship as discipline. The NIV, the ESV says this, it's for your discipline, you ha- it, it, it is for discipline you have to endure. It is for training you have to endure. The, the, the NIV makes it so, it's easier to understand. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Let me just read that again, just for it to sink in. Endure hardship as discipline God is treating you as sons and daughters. You see, when we have moments of crises of faith, we've got to know this. What I am going through, the Father is asking me to endure it like a training exercise for me. Like a training exercise. When we're going through tough times, friends, we don't start questioning, God, who are you? We We start asking the question, God, what are you teaching me? What must I learn from this? What is the process in my heart that I've got to learn from this? Because I know you're before me and you've handed me in. And whatever I'm going to face, I know you're with me. But Father, teach me through this process, please. That's what sons and daughters forget to ask. That's the question. That's the thing we forget, is we forget we're sons and daughters. The next thing is discipline is not punishment. Said that already. Punishment is what Jesus received on your behalf on the cross so that you would not have to bear it. And the punishment that he received on the cross was death for our life. We never, ever get punished by God again, ever. From here on in, as sons and daughters, we know this. What comes at us is not punishment from God, but training and education for us, for our futures. That's how sons and daughters think. And that's what he's saying here. You've forgotten this thing that you're sons and daughters. Have you got that? This is so important, friends. 
It's so important in our walk with God because what happens is we go into a crisis of faith and we start asking the wrong questions. The third thing is this, that this logic that sons and daughters endure hardship as training starts to get unpacked here. And it implies this, is that if God shielded us from all hardship, he would, be not, he would not be a good father and he'd be not treating us as sons. So he would be a bad father if he didn't allow hardship to confront us and for us to confront it. Quite a, quite a thing, eh? Friends, we do not know how much prosperity gospel is in our hearts. That wealth and prosperous life and everything and everything's going to be good if you follow Jesus. It's pervasive around what we listen to and on the TV and it gets into us, friends. And what happens is when we face tough times, we ask the wrong questions. We forget that we're sons and daughters of God. Training and teaching is what all good fathers do. And being trained and being taught is what all, sons, all good sons and daughters allow themselves to be. We think hardship is distance from God. But God sees it as him being in the midst of whatever's going on training us. I mean, I'm saying the same thing multiple ways. I want us to get this thing, friends. When we're facing tough times, we acknowledge who we are, sons and daughters of God. It's not punishment that was on Jesus. Actually, what God I've got now is an opportunity under God to learn something from him and to let him fashion my, my thinking, to let him fashion my heart and my character so that I can be the person that he's called me to be and to accomplish the things that he's called me to accomplish. The next thing we start to see, he says there, he says you respect human fathers for doing this. And, it's, and, and the implication is that they don't always do a good job. He says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. And you respected them for it. But God, when he disciplines us, when he trains us, let me not use that word because you don't get the right. When he trains us, he always does it for our good. He knows exactly what we need and he knows exactly the outcome that he wants. This is a father that's all-knowing, that's perfectly good. And everything that he does, you'll see there, is but we, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. In, our, in his holiness. So God's heart is, I want you to face some stuff because I'm putting holiness into you. I'm putting holiness into you. I'm putting a difference. I'm, put, I'm, set, I'm separating you from the crowd. I want you to act differently. I want you to respond differently. The only way I can get that into you is for you to be able to get through some tough things. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is how Father works things out with us. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He says this, no temptation. That temptation is the word parasmo, which means testing. 
Testing for your good, not testing for your failure. Testing to prove who you are, not testing to trip you up. There's two different words that are used. One is uh, used of God doing it, and one is used of the devil doing it. This word is is the word that is God doing it to test who you are, to to prove that actually you're a son or daughter of God. So he says this, no temptation, no testing has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Hear that? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So whatever we're facing, it's because We've got to have a theological understanding, a doctrinal understanding that whatever we're facing, it's because God thinks we can bear it. We have the goods. We have something in us. We have the ability to stand up under this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be coming to us. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. See that? So first of all, he only lets what come to you something that you can handle. And then once you've got through it, he always, he always, it says, provides a way out so that you can stand up under it. He gives you a way that he wants you to choose. He gives you a path for you to follow out of that in obedience with his word, in accordance with his character, building something in you. And for you to take that step there and that step there and this step here and this step here and find your way out is the process that he's wanting to put into our hearts to teach us. See, this is how Father trains his children. Friends, when we train our children, we don't train our children by teaching them, by doing everything for them. We train our kids by dropping them in the deep end a little bit. Just to, and when we wait with them and watch them swim and watch them take their first steps. And the same God does the same thing for us. And that's what this text in 1 Corinthians 10 shows us so wonderfully let's have a let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12 again he carries on there he says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but is painful friends there's not God is doesn't it's not a it's not a kind of a um uh, a kind of uh, blanket out, put your head in the ground. No, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. No, it's difficult and it's painful. It is difficult and it is painful. But it's okay. What you're receiving, what you're going through, you can do it. You can get through this. You can stand up under this. You can get a way out of this if you just allow your sonship to come back into your heart again. Start to see the, hear the hand of the, watch the hand of the Father, hear the voice of the Father, and allow Him to take you through these things. Look at what it says there. It says, later on, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. So at the time, it seems terrible. So the implication is, and another time you're going to look back on that and think, cheapers, thank goodness for that. In fact, it's so, it's so profoundly thank goodness for that, that you would actually say that God set this thing up against you. That's how it seems. Even though God is not the author of evil and God would not do, ever do that to you, it would almost seem that that was from God once you've gone through it. And this is the profound power of a God that's training and correcting us. 
Look what it says there. Later on, however, later on, so it takes time. Friends, what we don't want to do is wriggle out from under the hand of God in a season of life that we're in and not learn the lessons from that season. It's called going around the mountain. It's called desert living. It's called going into the desert for 40 years, traveling around, around and around and around and around, and eventually dying out in the desert. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to take what God's teaching us in the season that we're in and say, God, form me. Put this in me. I need to learn. I need to learn. If you're going through a tough financial time, the obvious lesson that God's trying to teach you is that He is provider. And friends, when we start to learn, Lord, hey God, you're provider. You're provider. You're going to come through. You're the ultimate privilege. You're Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. Man, when that thing starts to break into our hearts and we start to realize, man, the way God provides, I tell you what, I haven't got much, but let me give something. We, we watch God move, and all of a sudden, provision comes. Friends, I've seen it in my life over and over and over again. What we cannot do is wriggle out from under God's hand in the season that we're in. If we're sons and daughters, if we're orphans, we do. If we're orphans and we act like we haven't got a father in heaven, then what we do is we avoid pain and we avoid situations and we deny and we put our head in the ground and we, don't, and we just stay there forever all our life and we grow old and never grow up. Actually, what God wants us to do is to be good sons and daughters, to understand the process we're in and the faith. You see, this is what faith means. So the reason why this is at the end of the faith series, the faith thing, is he's trying to say this is what it means to have faith. This is what it means to have a walk of faith. You're a son and a daughter. Act like it in the midst of this scenario. Later on, later on. I love that. Later on, however, it takes time, friends. Let the full processes of God allow yourself to be in the full processes of God, trusting that he will shorten it if he needs to. Friends, we walk the full process of God out in our lives so that we can get everything from that season that we can. Because what we get in this season is what we're going to need for the next. And if you haven't got it in this season, it's going to be even harder in the next. Later on, however, it produces. Later on, after a amount of time, after some hard work, after some difficult times, it produces it produces. I love that. It's fruitful. It produces fruit in us. It starts to do some work in us. Our lives begin to change. Our perspective begins to change. We start to really understand, man, I'm a son or a daughter of God. God is with me. God is for me. I'm going to take this next step, and I'm going to take the next one. And then I'm going to get married. Dating. You know dating? Dating is a season in your life where you have to learn some lessons of how to build a relationship for the rest of your life in marriage. That's why sex before marriage is so detrimental to your, your, your relationship. Because what happens is your relationship becomes all about sex and you don't do communication, you don't do conflict, and if there is conflict, you fix it with sex. You never learn to love each other for the sake of loving each other. 
there's always this electricity which in the confines of marriage is nuclear power. But outside of the confines of marriage ends up taking you further and further and further apart. And friends, and if you do get married, guess what you battle with? Your sex life. Because you see, a sex life is built on covenantal love. It's built on the foundation of committed covenantal love. Where actually I give myself to you with my heart, my mind, and everything I am. And then I give you my body. Not I give you my body and then we'll see whether I give you the rest of me. And the reason why I give you my body is for my pleasure, not for yours. I don't know why I'm going into all of that now. That was definitely not true. There's a season of life that produces. When you're dating, when, you, when, you, when you're in that process, let that dating process, let that season of your life produce in your relationship something that's going to sustain you in marriage, not something that's going to destroy you in marriage. Obviously, that needs to be said. I'm trusting God. I'm a son. I'm a son. That's what we're leading. God's leading here. But look what it says. It only produces. It doesn't always produce. Look at what it says. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. So holiness. When you train by this, there's holiness. You become like, like the, you get the holiness of God. And it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Isn't that incredible? I wish it said... I really wish it said that it produced a harvest of money and happiness. But it doesn't. It says it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Righteousness and peace are commodities you cannot buy, no matter how much money you've got. But when you've got righteousness and peace and God adds money to you, money is there, blesses you rather than destroys you. You see, what we need, what we ultimately always need, what a good marriage needs is a husband and a wife that know righteousness and peace. Because peace, that peace comes to you in the midst of the storm. So when you know what peace is like in the midst of a storm, now you can say no to the storm. When you know what peace is like in the midst of a storm, you know what it is to take people out of the storm. And so what he does is he sets us up for our ultimate purpose, a harvest of righteousness and peace because we're sons and daughters. And sons and daughters are those that walk in righteousness and peace and give off righteousness and peace no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing and whatever part of life they're in. And that's what we want the harvest of. When we see the bad news on, on television, we don't say, oh, you chop, I hope you die, whoever the politician is, and there's lots of them. What we do is we say, God, please bless that man, undo whatever's happening there, release a peace and righteousness. We don't panic when we've got a harvest of peace and righteousness, friends. We're not those that panic around coronaviruses. We get good information. We get good information. And we say, God, we begin to pray and we say, Father, in the midst of this, will you protect people's lives? Those that are older, that are very susceptible to this disease, 60 plus, Father, please put your hand on them, protect them. See what I'm saying? You face it differently with, with, with righteousness and peace. And that's what he wants to put in us. So every hardship, every difficulty that we face, the, 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 if the result is not a greater righteousness and greater harvest of peace, we're missing what God's doing. Later on, he says, after a time, 
you'll learn to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. And every time you go through a tough time, so the harvest will get bigger and bigger. This righteousness and peace. He says there, later on you produce it, you produce it. And then he says, but again, that's what he wants to do, but it's not guaranteed that you will do that. So going through tough times doesn't make you a better person. Of course, what it says here, says here, I will produce a, a, a righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Ah, that's a different word to, to discipline. Discipline is padea, which means to educate or to train. This word training here actually means exercise. So it says, if you go through this discipline, if you've, if you've taken this hardship and you've treated it as training, you will begin to produce after amount of time, you'll begin to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace if you, if you have been trained by it, if you have been exercised by it. So if we've done the exercise in the midst of this season, we produce a harvest. Just going through a season doesn't do it automatically by itself. There's got to be some exercise from us. We've got to, we've got to go to the gym in this season. In fact, that word trained there is where we get the word gym from if you go to the Greek word. It's, that, it's, you, it's, it's, it's gym time when you go through a tough time. If you put your head in your sand and you get, or you, you get into the pit and you get self-pity and, oh, Lord, well, I'm, I'm me, it's not fair, da, 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 and you do that and you do that for year after year after year, guess what? The tough time's been wasted. It says when you exercise yourself, when you get into that stage and you just do some exercise, you'll begin to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace that you'll need for your next season, that you'll need for your husband or wife, that you'll need for your business, that you'll need wherever you are, and that'll just keep growing. And you guess what? He'll take you from this one, and you'll just get through this one, and then you'll think, oh, God, am I that short of righteousness and peace that I'm going into another one? And then guess what? You're going to get through that, and you go into the next one. So we have this lifestyle, and every time we do that, and every time we go through those tough times, we start to become more and more like a son or a daughter, and we start to get fashioned, and we think more and more of a son and daughter, and we learn to the, the lessons quicker, and we get through the seasons faster. This is what God's trying to say to them here. Friends, part of our walk with, of faith, if we want to have a lifestyle of faith, we want to have a lifestyle of faith, we've got to learn to face tough situations like sons and daughters. And sons and daughters say this, verse 7, remember this, this verse, endure hardship as discipline, God is treating you as sons. Amazing, eh? Quite counterintuitive. This is, us, this is God being a good father to us. This is God being a good father to us. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Can we stand? Yeah, you can. My prayer for us tonight, my prayer for us this morning was for the weary in faith that God would put strength into them. My prayer for us tonight is that God would open our son and daughter eyes to what he's doing in our lives. 
that he would, he would give us spiritual eyes. Not to see here, but to see what he's doing in our lives so that we can respond to the situations like sons and daughters. That we can respond to these moments and say, God, what are you teaching me? Friends, if I look at this text, it means this, is we never grow out of, outside of hardship. We never grow outside of hardship. We always grow inside of t- tough situations. Endure hardship as discipline. I'm treating you like a son or a daughter. And our first thought is, God, where are you? No, 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 I'm here, I'm your father. I'm treating you like a son. What? What's happening? Father, I ask you now that you'd break into our minds and hearts those of us that have been through tough situations and are going through tough situations I pray the, re- the revelation that we are to endure this tough situation as training and education because you're treating us as sons and daughters Lord. Would, come, would become a revelation to us Lord. knowing Father that whatever we've been through Whatever we've been through, whatever we're facing, Lord, is Father filtered. We can get through it. The reason why we're facing it is because we, you know that we can. And I pray a spirit of adoption to come upon this room, Lord. I pray a spirit of sonship and daughtership to come into the hearts of all of our hearts, Lord. We would suck the marrow out of hard situations, Lord. And grow and produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. We bless you, we honor you, we thank you. I pray, stir our faith, Lord. Stir our faith in your amazing name. We bless you, we honor you. Let us not think like orphans. Let us not act like orphans. Let us act like sons and daughters of the risen King. Thank you, Lord.